Welcome back to season two of Jory Sports Stories. As always, I'm your host Jory, and this week we've gotten a lot to talk about. We're reacting to the very entertaining Women's College Basketball National Championship. Matter of fact, we'll be reacting to both of them. And the blowback, we'll be discussing some NBA surprises and shifts and discussing the NFL draft and some free agency moves. And before we begin this week's episode, I would like to extend my condolences and prayers to all who were affected by the school shooting of Covenant Christian School in Nashville, Tennessee. And I also wanted to extend my prayers to the state of Mississippi, Missouri, Arkansas from all of those catastrophic tornadoes. With that being said, let's dive into this week's content and let's get it. First off, we're going to kick off today's show with March Madness coverage, and it comes to the end, but the headlines keep rolling in. You'll hear my intake, you'll hear my whole take about the whole Angel Reese over-exaggeration over situation and about the direction of women's basketball in general. We'll also discuss the men's, that game, and the men's national championship game between San Diego State and UConn, but it should be a very eventful segment, so tune in and let's get it once again. First off, I'm going to start with the Women's National Championship game because that was a very good game, even though Iowa lost by like 20. But Caitlin Clark had them in that game for – she played phenomenal. She was spectacular. She had them in that game until LSU got to rolling. I mean, apparently they found how they guarded South Carolina to be disrespectful, so they decided to shoot the lights out the gym. That's neither here nor there, but let's address the whole taunting thing. And here's the thing. I have no problem with trash talk. Therefore, I have no problem with what Angel Reese did. Given the fact that Caitlin Clark is not a saint, she talks her stuff, she pops her gums too, she does the you can't see me too, so... The media response to this was just overblown and over-exaggerated, and then it turned into a whole race war. I mean, yeah, you could argue that she, by following around the court, um, she was extra, but at the same time, let her glow. Let her enjoy her moment. And don't copy, don't word me, but didn't Clayton Clark do that John Cena move in the middle of the game? Yeah, now who you can't see? You can't see a ring. So it shouldn't have been tugging to that level. And all the bigots and all the misogynists and the racists that really shown their colors. Like that Keith Oberman dude who caught her, and I'm not going to use the exact verbiage here because I, my, because, woof, an effing idiot. He's an effing idiot for calling about six, he's the 64 year old man calling a 20 year old an effing idiot for taunting. 
Well, excuse her, you, sir. Like you didn't taunt people when you were younger, way back then. The media in general, it turned ugly. It turned nasty. And both players, they're like, there's no beef. Why is this even a big old discussion? And then why is this a big old discussion? Because it's white versus black. Yeah, because the media painted this picture that Andrew Reese was also classless. They didn't paint it classless when Caitlin Clark did it. That's what made it white versus black. That's what made it racist. That is what I don't agree with. But they overblew this whole thing. Everybody did. And to call that girl out her name... At y'all's big old ages. It's immature and it's childish. And it show it let us know how you really feel, to be honest. And in the during the game, it was a good game if you watched it. I watched a little bit of it. Iowa got outshot. They were out physical. I kind of predicted, I kind of figured out that just from watching Iowa play basketball, they're not that physical if you look at me, if you look to me. So, and they play physical basketball in the SEC. So, the, I kind of predicted that they get out physical and outmanned. And... Before I start on the men's, I just want to say that the SEC is starting to get going along with women's basketball. Let's see. South Carolina, LSU, Tennessee, Alabama, Roll Tide, Mississippi State, I believe. And I believe I'm missing, I might be missing a team or two. They all went dancing, though, dancing this year. And they're all pretty decent, solid squads. Lost some games they shouldn't have. But they had a great game. It was a great year for the conference through and through. Now, let's talk about the men's national championship. Because a lot of people on Twitter have been saying that the women's national championship should have been on that game. Because that was a good game. That game, even though Iowa really didn't have a chance, they kept it close till they couldn't. But between that game and then this game, which was a flat-out San Diego State came out flat and you never and they never really gave you the feel that they could come back from it. But I do want to shout out San Diego State for making it this far, upsetting my Alabama Crimson Tide. Once again, roll tide. Um They were a Cinderella story, I guess. But I guess from being all the Cinderella, they got tired and came out flat. And UConn did what UConn was supposed to do. Alabama lost against UConn. I felt like we might have went if we could have made it. If we didn't come out flat that game. And I'm not making excuses. Don't. Please don't think I'm making excuses because I'm not. I feel like if we would have won that game that we should have won. And we could have got to the national championship. Because I feel like those were winnable games. We would have gave UConn a run for their money. But I'm not going to. The past is in the past. Congratulations to UConn for winning a national championship. 
and we'll get it next year hopefully i pray but this year women's basketball is starting to get going and i hope the wnba doesn't ruin these incoming this group of incoming uh rookies with the marketing and everything because you think about it caitlin clark got a year left andrew reese got at least two years all of these girls that have that are starting to have that swag that have their, they're starting to show their personalities that are bumping their gums they're still in college they're gonna go to the league the league is gonna grow because well, let me tell you what's happening these team, these girls, I've grown up doing it. I wish I could have played basketball. My 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 hoop dreams were shattered. But these girls have been grown. These girls have grown up watching people like Candace Parker and and things like that. But they've also been watching Steph Curry, LeBron James. All of these players with these personalities that do these things, jaw. And it's infiltrating the game because now we're at a time in society where everybody can pop their pop it. And I have no problem with that. I I, I encourage all the foolishness within reason. Within reason. Next up, we got crunch time madness going on in the NBA. Just at the end of the season where playoff seeding is vital and teams have either very little or a lot to play for. Right now, we're seeing teams explode, implode, fall back to earth, and just about everything in between. We'll discuss the Mavericks, Lakers, Clippers, and more in this segment. So, let's continue. First thing I'm going to address in the NBA is we're going to talk about the Lakers' resurgence somewhat. You could blame the strength of schedule or whatnot, but you can't deny that AD had been playing out of his mind. But you also can't deny that they're average. Like, they could be, they could get hot. I still believe they have a sliver of a chance to be a dark horse contender, but they're aging. They're old. I mean, I just said they're aging. They're aging. Health is an issue. I understand that they got the youth and the depth to kind of back some of that up with Rui Hachimura and company and D'Lo and... I can't think of the other person, but there's another person I'm thinking of. I've been doing that a lot lately, but they have a pretty decent unit. But they're not worth all the attention that they're getting. But they're getting that attention because LeBron is coming back. AD is getting it going. And they're getting ready to make a massive playoff push, which will be decided tonight. Well, tonight's game does pretty much lock in the Western Conference seating. 
Because that's a, this is a tiebreaker between the Lakers and the Clippers. Lakers come out flat. They're going to get the floor mopped with them. If playoff P turns into way off P, it could go either way. This is one of those games that could go either way. Um, but, like I said, when it comes to the playoffs, if they win this game and they would end up having to face, I think they end up having to face Phoenix in the first round. Do you really want to face Phoenix in the first round? Because they're going to... Really? You can say that Phoenix might be a little small or whatnot, but look at how Phoenix has been playing. And now that they have Kevin Durant back. The Phoenix... I be The Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns, I believe, should be a heavy favorite. For the title this year. So the Lakers resurgence. Will will last as long as they keep. Somehow winning games. And stop being average. They have a flat. If they fall on their face. They're done. Now let's talk about the Mavericks. Because they're. I believe they're imploding. I, and there's so many ways. I can go with this. And. This stemmed from the Kyrie Irving trade, but it wasn't Kyrie's fault. Kyrie has actually been playing well. He's doing what you asked him to do. But before Kyrie, what were the Mavericks? Even though they went to the conference finals, I don't care about that. What were they? It centered around Luka. You had some fairly decent defensive pieces that you gave away to go get Kyrie Irving. Otherwise, you'd have pretty much no defense. So you were lacking in talent on defense. You had Luka to carry the offense and do what he do, even though sometimes he just chucks up wild, reckless behind shots. Um, they know what this team is. The front office and ownership knows what this team is. You have an idea. You had an idea to take a risk to put another ball-dominant player who needs the ball in his hands on top of right next to the one that you already have. And then, in order to get him, you give up your two, arguably, two of your best defensive players. So where does that leave you? Um, you got a whole lot of the offense with no defense. What's good? What the what's the point of putting up 142 points and your defense can spot you 150? This is the way that this is going. So if they manage to sneak in, I don't believe they will. And by the way, Kyrie Irving said they're perfectly content of not making the play-in or the playoff. But I'm like, so this is not Kyrie Irving's fault. This is more on ownership and whoever decided to okay that dumb trade. I'm calling it a super trade because it was. You traded two of your good players, defensive players, that could kind of work the paint a little bit and do a little bit of magic on the defensive end for 
an offensive guy that doesn't play defense. You either, and you had, I'm like, and anybody with some sense knew, should have known, if you're going to make that type of move, you need to make some other moves to kind of offset the hole and defense that you just created. Like, that right there, I'm surprised, like, I didn't under I under, I knew this was gonna happen, but I just I didn't think it was gonna happen this fast. I didn't think it was gonna go this left this fast, and it's not Kyrie Irving's fault. It's just a bad fit. Luca don't play deep, don't play defense, and he cry a lot when he get fouled. Kyrie don't play defense, but he's a superstar when when with the ball in his hand. Luca, we know what he's do what we what he does. With the ball in his hands, even though he's been struggling as of lately. And it's probably because he's frustrated. He's frustrated. That man is frustrated. That's why he's been struggling. Because it was just him. You gotta have... Okay. Here's the best analogy I could put with it. Because I understand why he's struggling. Look at it as a, you're a child, right? And you've been an only child for the better part of your life. So you've been able to, you have all the attention that you want. The attention's on you for the most part. And then down the line, you either get another sibling or you get a step-sibling. Or somebody comes along and takes that attention from you. Takes time away from you. And then as a result, you're struggling because of it. You're struggling to adjust. What the Mavericks are doing, they're struggling to make a fit. When both of them have only child... Both of them have only child... Mm. What's the word? Both of them have only child attributes or traits, but they're being forced to work together. So that's going to be a very precarious situation to kind of navigate around. And that's what you that's why it's a stupid trade. I understand that you got to take these risks to bank championships, but this is one of those risks I do not take. Especially dealing with Kyrie. And granted, he's been playing well and he hasn't been causing problems. So you're getting really the good edge of a double knife sword. I mean, you're getting the good edge of a double edged sword right now. And you're doing absolutely nothing with it. Because it's not working. It's not a good fit. And now, now let's talk about Golden State. Um, with Andrew Wiggins coming back, that's a big that's a big addition because that was a key piece to your championship run. Um, they need to be consistent. 
if they're going to have a chance, a sliver of a chance in this year's playoffs, we know that they go, they're going. If they, I, by the grace of God, hopefully they can win out. They should be able to win out. But we already know that they're going. But we also know that they're not very good on the road. So that's something that they're going to have to figure that out on the fly. Because with some of these teams in this conference, say Phoenix or L.A., even though that's pretty much a home game. But Phoenix, definitely. You don't want to go down 0-2 in a series versus Phoenix. But they need to get more. We know what Steph is. We know what Clay is. We know what Jordan Poole could be. Draymond is a net. I need them to be more consistent in playing together. And I need them to be more consistent game in and game out regardless of the location. We've been saying this for the lo- about the Golden State Warriors since last year or the year before. They need to improve on that. Like, what is it about road games that they just disappear? That's something I don't understand. And from one to another, Nikola Jokic has this calf injury. And what does it mean? Well, Denver, Jamal Murray is also dealing with an injury. We know what a key piece Jamal Murray is to that Denver team. And we know what Nikola Jokic is. He's an MVP finalist. And he's hurt. That team doesn't. That team does not run the same with Nikola Jokic not on the floor. So I do have my doubts about what Denver can do if he's not at 100%. Can they keep up? Because the last time, well, you they ran into a buzzsaw called the Lakers, but that's a bubble. But they're talented. They've shown all season what they've been capable of. Enough to have the top of the top of the West for a while. Or do they still have it? But I don't trust them. I don't trust Denver. And to each their own, let's talk about some more teams that have just kind of <sighs> fizzled out. So the Hawks, I don't know what they're doing, but they fired Nate McMillan and they haven't done much since. They hired Quinn Snyder and haven't done much since. So what is going on up 20? Mind you, I live in Georgia, so I'm saying up 20 because it's literally up 20. What is going on? And with a young and very talented DeJounte Murray, the Hawks should be a lot better than what they are now. I'm like, what is this? What is going on? But we'll dive into that later. Um, the the Hornets are disappoint are a disappointment. They fizzled out. They've shown promises all year, but they're horrible. Like Lamelo Ball can't save everybody, and that's probably why Michael Jordan is trying to sell the team. He might be tired of it. 
The Rockets. Let's talk about the Rockets. They're very young. All of them players got baby faces and ain't got a lick of chest hair. Or chin hair. They're babies. So, but they have talent to an extent. They're just young. And that's why they're horrible. <laughs> they don't really play defense either. They, But they can shoot you out the gym if they get hot. The Grizzlies are getting back on track after a little slump. But do I trust them in, into the playoffs? No. They're too young. I believe they're still a little bit immature. Playoff basketball is different, dude. You won one series versus an equally immature Timberwolves, and then what did Golden State do to you? Oh, okay. Um, But they did have a little period of time where they fizzled out at. And I'm going to talk about the Pelicans. And more importantly, I'm going to talk about Zion. Because that young man cannot get it together for whatever reason. He can't seem to get it together. For whatever reason. And it's not like he's breaking his bones and whatnot. He's tweaking his hamstring or something in his knee. Mind you, he's coming off of not just one but two knee surgeries. He's had more than one. So, he can't stay healthy. Him and Katie are having a very, are having a fragile off. They're having a, and I'm thinking Zion done got Katie by far. Because how many times do we get to see, do we get to the point where he's about to return and then he pulls something else in his hamstring or a groin or he do something else and it's another two to three weeks the season is only 82 games and the way that the scheduling set out you only got so many games to sit out because you're hurt this young man is is on the court is on is on pace to be one of the most injury riddled injury riddled injury prone players I've ever seen in my life and he's getting ready to head down that way towards bust because he can't simply because the fact that he cannot stay healthy just because of that when he's healthy he's one of the best players walking he's very explosive his size makes you unbelievable makes you his size makes you say, wow, he's so big to be moving like that. And da-da-da-da, he's a defensive star. He's dominant. He's one of the best players walking, but he's almost never healthy. So what's, po- what's the point? I feel like this young man's career is about pretty much, he go through another season that his Zion is done. I believe. Well, he just signed a contract. 
So, mm-hmm. but I believe if he go through another season of this kind of crap, of him constantly being injured, and now I'm kind of worried about what's going on in New Orleans. Why is this young man always injured? Nobody else on that team is nearly as injured as Zion. Why is it just him? And Giannis and the Bucks are ramping up. They've had some pretty bad losses lately, but but they're eh, they're getting their feet together. The 76ers. What's their ceiling? I believe at this current moment the 76ers ceiling is the second round. If they can make it out the first. But I believe their absolute ceiling this year is the second round. They, if they can beat Celtic, oh, here's the thing. If they can beat Boston, they're NBA championship ready. But I don't even believe that they can beat Boston in the seven-game series. I believe they'll keep it close. We've seen them put demolition jobs against the Bucks, but... The Bucks in Boston also have their own dynamic going on too. So I believe that the 76ers ceiling right now is about the second round of the playoffs. Um And it's just it's mainly because you got Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and who else? And Maxey's a stud. Tobias Harris can let it go. I mean, not in a bad way, but... But, who else? That's why I believe that the Philadelphia 76ers about a piece or two away from being true content true championship contenders if they could keep manage to keep James Harden for another year. The Celtics, they've had some bad games recently, but they've also been able to get back on their feet at pretty quickly. So I believe that the Celtics are one of the best teams in the East right now. They're playing like one of the best teams in the East right now. They're one of the teams to beat in the league because they play defense. They play very good defense. Marcus Smart, is arguably I was we were having this conversation on the Coffee and Sports Show on Sports Empire Network. Shout out! I sh- will tell you guys about that in a minute. But we were having this, we were having this conversation this morning, and I forgot what I wanted to say. But I wanted to mention this this morning. Marcus Smart is a underrated defender. <laughs> he can match Joel and be pretty much step for step. And that's what makes this, that's a matchup. That's a pretty decent matchup. I would love to see that. But Marcus Smart will definitely impact this playoff run for the Celtics. As far as the Bucs are concerned, they need to get back on, on the wagon. But the Celtics don't need to do much to make them more of a threat. They need to be more consistent a little bit. 
maybe sometimes coaching can get in their way a little bit, but they're already a huge threat in the in the West, which is not the West, the East. Tripping. In the East, which ain't a beast. It's pretty weak. But either either here or there. What do you think? What do I think? Clippers are clipped. Like I said earlier, in the playoffs, if playoff P show up, which we know playoff P to be as way off P. But if Paul George if Paul George shows up, they have a chance. If Kawhi Leonard um does what he's supposed to do, they have a chance. Now the additional Russell Westbrook could prove detrimental to that team, but I've been trying to sh- shy away from that because I don't want to hate on the man. I still like Russell Westbrook. 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 Yeah. Okay. But I believe if the kid, if the Clippers get hot, which I also doubt that, given the inconsistency that we've seen from them this year. Um, they could be a dark horse favorite as well. And now we're back to the NFL and we're heading towards the draft time. Free agency still rolling around, albeit a bit slow, but we still got some headlines to to go to go over with you guys. Um you'll hear my tra- my take on various trade rumors and draft scenarios and more. So let's get it. First thing we're going to talk about is Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter declining to talk to teams outside the top 10, despite the question marks. Now, I'm not going to full out bash the man. It might sound like it because I talk a little harsh or whatnot, but I'm not going to full out bash him. But are you serious right now? Look at, like, remove yourself from the situation, which is hard, and look at your timeline. Yet, your agent is letting you do this. That's another flock of feathers that I'm going to touch later. But, look at your timeline from now, from then to now. From the combine to now, where you showed up nine pounds heavier, you had the whole drunk driving thing, and the police thing happened, and then you didn't want to do a drill at pro day because of what, for what reason, for whatever reason. You made yourself look bad on three separate occasions, just in between the combine and now. So... Common sense. Just remove yourself from the situation and just look at it. My position in the draft is not secure right now. That's the way I'd be thinking. If I know that my record wasn't clean, I'd be talking to any teams that I could get to. You might still go in the first round. But I also we've also seen what happens when stuff happens to you outside of football. I.E. Laramie Tunsil, when that photo of him 
got released on draft night, he fell. Other people who've had these type of issues, they fail, regardless of talent. No, not every not every team is gonna want to put up with a guy with that type of damage on his hands. Plus the stuff that's been going on with the um, pro day and the combine. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say he's not talented and he's not a top ten pick. For a while, we've been saying he could go number one overall, but we saw some things happen. We saw some things happen, and it started to teeter. As the season for Georgia went on, we saw little cracks here and there. But for sure, he's a talented player. He's not making a very smart decision. I think this is one of the dumbest decisions you can make. Because you're not looking at it at a at every type of point of view at this point. You're saying, I'm a top 10 talent, so I'm going to go top 10. You're a top 10 talent, but you got some seventh round behaviors. You're a top 10 talent, but you got some things going in your closet that might have undrafted on it. I mean, it's not that bad, but at the same time, you don't know how these teams think. You don't know what team might be wanting to trade back into the top 10 to come get you. So for you to just only talk to teams that have solid 10 picks is stupid because you don't know what the other 22 teams are going to do. So, Drew, to his agent, whoever it is, I hope it work out. I really do hope it work out, but this is dumb. And the next question that's been asked a few for a few weeks, is there a market for Ezekiel Elliott? Because he was released by Dallas. Something that I saw happen, but I didn't see it happening this soon. In all honesty, I did not. So, is there a market for him? Let's see. His production has decreased ever since he got in the league. That's a fact. He had that one rookie season, and he's been on decline. Um, He hasn't been able... It's not... He ain't one, two, three, go anymore. He's one stop. Or it's a struggle to get you two yards with Zeke sometimes. At times. He's been banged up. They done ran the crap out of him. And he's not a Derrick Henry who keeps his body in. Well, I'm not even going to say that. He's not a Derrick Henry. Who can keep on. Who gets stronger as the game goes on. We've seen that. I've seen that. As long as Zeke is in the football game, has been in the league, I've seen that. He, like I see the first year, he was that bell cow back. Ever since then, and it got to the point where Tony Pollard took his job. And now Tony Pollard's hurt. 
But the question was, was, is there a market for Zeke? I don't see it because Bijan Robinson's coming out. Jameer Gibbs is coming out of college. There's some running there's some running back talent. I don't see a maybe somebody with some veteran presence who needs some veteran presence in the running back room would go for Zeke. But as far as getting anything productive, I think that part of Ezekiel Elliott's career is high and by. I think that's done. Now, could he get you one or two? Yeah, maybe. Is he good for maybe a block? Yes. But he's not going to be able to get you that 20 for a buck 80 that you're going to need. I don't see a valuable rocket. Mar- rocket. Lord. Market for Ezekiel Elliott. Unless somebody just wants another an, an additional running back for some depth, depth. Um. Yeah, I really just don't see it because I believe that there might be some more running backs on the move. They're better than Zeke though, like Austin Eckler. He's been stuck in in, in um with the Chargers for a minute, and he still got it for the most part. So I don't see a market for Zeke, period, point blank. Where do you think my, talking about the draft, my draft order, I got Bryce Young, Stroud, Levis. I really don't have Richardson on my list. Those are my top three. And Hooker. I like Hendon Hooker. Those are my top four. Anthony Richardson is not a top five quarterback. I have a hard time believing he's a top ten quarterback. I've watched SEC ball for i I'm a Bama fan. I've been watching SEC ball. He beat the con- – he was a combine freak. And with all this hype about hitting the ceiling with the throw, you're not going to be able to hit the ceiling. You're trying to hit the – in a football game, you're not trying to hit the ceiling. You're trying to hit the receiver in his hands. So why are we upset, obsessed about a throw at a pro game with no little to no interference? Why are we obsessed about that? Why are we obsessed about a combine? What he's showing us is that he's a more, again, he's a mobile quarterback. He's a running quarterback. He's not a true pocket passer. So... For Anthony Richardson, he could be a very talented quarterback, a boom or a bust, given all of his hype and what he has put on film not being exactly matching. The Lamar Jackson saga. Jesus Christ. You know, that bombshell, I didn't even get to cover the bombshell lately. Well, the bombshell was that he asked to be traded from the Ravens. So who would be best for them? What And what's next for the Ravens? Well, Lamar, your asking price right now is too high for a lot of these teams. So you want to be traded. And they're going to have to pay you $50-plus million, knowing that you're injured. 
you're injury prone, especially towards the end of the season. Knowing what this league is getting ready to come to. And knowing how you've acted on social media throughout this contract situation, which some of it is justified and some of it you kind of raise your, your, you scratch your head at, but who would be an ideal fit? Atlanta's out. They decided, they named Desmond Ritter starting quarterback, so they're out. Uh, the Titans won't be getting rid of Ryan Tannehill's contract. Um, the Patriots are seemingly out, but there's, I'm getting ready to discuss the Patriots in a second. Um, 49ers need a quarterback, but they don't have draft capital right now, I don't believe. And they have Trey Lance come, trying to come back. And Brock Purdy. So that's a kind of busy room. Um, Indianapolis. But the Colts, and I hate the Colts. They don't have an offensive line. Those weapons that they do have are not good enough. Um, and their defense is horrible. So... So what's next? Well, that he either try to work it out or get it done to get it done, which at this point with all the drama and the misinformation and the lies and the bombshells and yeet the yeet the woot the woot. The best thing for the Ravens is to move on, which is actually disheartening because they built this whole team around Lamar and because your front office wants to be cheap. And doesn't want to make sure he stays there for whatever reason. They let this relationship get so bad to the point where it's pretty much burnt to the ground. And it's time to cut ties and move on. What about Lamar to Seattle? Well, no. Nope. I just thought about that. They just signed Geno Smith. But had they known Lamar was going to be available like this, would have would they have made the plunge to go get him? Carolina's not interested. They're in top three quarterbacks of this draft kind of thing. Um, Houston is probably not interested when even though they should be. Davis Mills is a solid backup quarterback, but he's not a solid starter quarterback. Um Raiders have Jimmy G. I mean, I don't see what's next. But either way, the Bears traded the number one overall pick for DJ Moore in a significant draft pick haul. That means Carolina's probably going for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. That's why Lamar wouldn't be going for that unless they decided they wanted to trade that number one overall pick to Baltimore. Which, why would you do that and you spent all of that just to do that? So, the Bears, with that draft pick haul, need to get an offensive line. And they've turned it to the Chicago Titans, and I don't like it. Stealing all of my death players. I wanted Demarcus Walker to stay. Heartbreak. And the Jets traded for Chuck Clark. Gives 
somebody, another valuable threat on the other side of, guess who? Sauce Gardner. That improves an already good defense. The Titans signed Aziz Alshair, a former 49ers linebacker. I'll have to look at some of his, his, his highlights and tape and stuff. I'll get back with you guys in a minute on that. Bears almost turned it to the Titans. We all know that's that them. And then they added Deontay Foreman. What does that do for Fields? That means pretty much nothing until they get an offensive line. The Falcons Jet signed Jesse Bates and Caden Ellis. Good for the defensive backs and good for... I forgot what position he played, but it's good. So as far as the NFL goes at this point... We're just waiting on the draft, waiting on the draft at this point, which will be a big event when it does happen. And before I ended this segment, I just want to say something, because between the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Patriots, they all look a hot mess right now. We all know that the Cardinals were poorly or run, but I and they were cheap, but I didn't think that this type of stuff would happen. And they put out a statement against the dude that is filing a complaint against them. And you are a professional sports franchise. To personally attack somebody because they're filing a complaint of something that you may or may have not did or known about. You make the whole organization and the organ the bigger organization that you're a part of, the NFL look bad. The Baltimore Ravens, most importantly, Eric DaCosta has been made look to look bad all offseason because how poorly he's handled this Lamar Jackson situation. They both handled it bad. But especially DaCosta, if you ask me, you if you ask me, how long has DaCosta been the GM? They should have been serious about trying to get this done when he won the MVP. But they didn't trust him. So instead of just, oh, we don't, instead of just keeping it up front, Y'all don't turn this into a big old publicity battle where you both look bad and you both look kind of stupid and you both look like clowns because you're going back and forth with contradictory facts and opinions and all of this other stuff. And it's just tiring. And I blame the Ravens for even feeding into that. And let's talk about the Patriots. Now, usually the Patriots are pretty well organized and together. This time they're not. For whatever reason, this time they're not. There's a rift between Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick doesn't know who's going to be his quarterback. He wants Mac Jones out. He was shopping him last year. Is Mac the problem or is it you? You gave him two dingbats for offensive co- coaches. You gave him Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. 
Joe Judge was a former special teams coach and a failed head coach. And Matt Patricia, we know who he is. So exactly like I said, you gave Matt from his rookie year and you lose Josh McDaniels. You replace Josh McDaniels with two dingbats in the Packer Crackers. And you wonder why this man is frustrated. They don't know what they're doing. And then you're mad at him for calling people at Alabama because he needs help and they're incapable of helping him because they're not qualified to help him. That's on Bill. And even that, I feel like He might have did that as to, I don't know what else to do. Like, he's tried to talk to people, and I don't know what else to do. But for him to drop off the way he did at his rookie year from this year to this past year is absolutely inexcusable. That has to do with coaching, not him. And he got hurt. Well, it is some of his fault. I can't absolutely absolve him of all the blame. But... Now, is Mac Jones going to be a, what I like to call, a superstar? Probably not, but I believe he's just above average. I believe he's a decent quarterback. If you give him the pieces. He's a pretty decent quarterback. He could take you somewhere. But I don't know why all this mess is coming out of Foxborough for some reason. Mm -hmm. And welcome to Jory's timeout session, where we take some of the most egregious takes, rumors, and situations and give our raw, somewhat unfiltered thoughts and opinions. And on this inaugural segment, we've gotten quite the docket for you. Topics such as trolling in sports, this thing with the collusion in the NFL, and more. So get your ears and your laughs ready, and let's get it. And on this timeout session, trolling and taunting in sports, it's a part of the game, right? And here's the thing. Everybody ain't cut from a different claw. Half of these people who got problems with trolling and taunting have never are not competitive, have not done anything competitive in their lives. I'm very competitive, and I like to troll. Well, to an extent, I know where my lines are because I am sensitive. As long as you know where your lines are, you know not to cross anybody else's. Be mindful when you troll because this whole thing with trolling and Angel Reese and whatnot. And then I thought about another situation of trolling. Juju smith Juster is a professional troll. But those two situations are different. Because in one one situation, there's no beef, there's no bad blood, there's no disrespect. It wasn't disrespectful. The media just took it and ran with it. The second... There was a whole bunch of name-calling. There was disrespect. Don't do it again. He did it again. I'm going to whoop your beep and beep and da 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 And a whole bunch of threatening tweets. 
Which one was the, the college basketball girls? Guess the situation. Y'all would guess that the whole Twitter beef thing was the situation. No, it was A.J. Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster and all the Chiefs and all the Eagles. So I do, I do believe that it can go far too far. But if somebody's telling you that it's going too far, apologize and stop doing it. Like, have some respect. Like, have some decorum. Have some feeling of empathy that you're making somebody upset because you wouldn't want make any, would would not want anybody making knowingly making you upset. That's the thing. That's when it goes too far when I tell you to stop and you don't stop and I can't get to you like I want to get to you. Juju. The whole John Cena thing was nothing. If y'all wanted to be mad about anybody taking anything too far, you should have gave Juju Smith-Schuster some more heat. And instead of encouraging, and y'all should have flamed his mama up for um, encouraging it. If y'all were that upset about disrespecting sports, you should have got on Juju for that. Because they told him to stop. They told Juju to stop, remember? Did he stop? No. And that's why it exploded to what the level that it did. There is no problem. I have no problem with dancing and and trash talk and gloating and whatnot. But when I tell you as a person to stop, you're making me upset. I'm being a little bit sensitive. Whatnot. Whatever. Whatever you think. If you're doing something directed at me and I tell you to stop and you don't do it, I'm going to hit you in your face. That's just that. I'm going to take that as a sign of disrespect and I'm going to knock something into you. Period. Point blank. So there's no problem with taunting. Y'all just need to learn that there's a difference between taunting and disrespect. And once disrespect is nine times out of ten, if you get disrespectful on accident, they'll let you know, hey, don't do that no more. If you do it on purpose, it's a whole nother story. Y'all so mad about Angel Reese doing whatnot. Y'all weren't mad about J Juju Smith-Schuster blatantly disrespecting A.J. Brown and the Eagles when they told him to stop. Y'all weren't that mad. And next, the NFL apparently colluding against Lamar Jackson. I don't believe that they're colluding against Lamar Jackson. I believe, one, on the other hand, two things can be, tr can be true. Nobody's going to give that man a fully guaranteed contract because of what the Browns did. That, two, Lamar Jackson has also injury prone, and he's kind of immature. And he doesn't have an agent. So he's hearing things about himself that he don't like and it's not being fed to him in a way that's mannerable. He's getting it straight from the horse's mouth as to why he didn't, they don't feel like he's worth the way that he's worth. So I don't think it's collusion. I think it's these owners knowing that 
they're not going to give up fully guaranteed contracts because they have better quarterbacks, i.e. Cincinnati, that won't even demand a fully guaranteed quarterback. Quarter, fully guaranteed contract. Deshaun Watson got that contract because they were desperate. I don't want to make that clear. He got that contract because the Browns were desperate. They had pissed off Baker Mayfield to the point where he wanted to be out and they needed an option. That's why they gave him $230-something million to get fully guaranteed. And it messed up the market to the point where all the other owners are probably going to try to reset the market to where they think it should be. And I am so upset. It does dishearten and pain me knowing that Lamar Jackson is in the middle of it. But at the same time, Lamar Jackson hasn't done anything to make himself look better either. Other than telling everybody, being flat out that I requested the trade. Him going back and forth on social media with nobodies does not help his case. And I'm younger than him and I'm seeing this crap. It's not helping you. It's making it worse. Because if they're going to give you the money you want, they have to trust you that you're a mature person to handle it. Because with great money comes great power. Correct. In the direction of women's sports, especially basketball, we're heading towards a shift here. These girls are coming out with swagger. They're coming out with that with their hair done and their nails did. I mean, women's basketball is about to blow up within a year or two. Check it. Anything else that I had to say? Oh, and another, another part of the timeout session. A lot of people for the past few weeks have been trying to wonder what to, what are Dallas the Cowboys are gonna do with Dak? The De- Cowboys ain't gonna do nothing with Dak because his cap because his because his cap charge. They might extend him, but I. All right. Dak is an average quarterback with above-average expectations on his shoulders. So, when you think about it, yes, he's very smart and technical, but he does make some stupid decisions. Decisions. So, he's an average quarterback. He is turnover-prone. I want to make this known. He is turnover prone. Despite what every other talking head on TV says. I've seen it enough. Y'all were saying he wasn't that turnover until last year. Yes, he was. He just didn't turn it over that much. But in the most critical times, he did turn it over quite a bit. So you can't just sit here and say he's not turnover. He's average. He's turnover prone. And... Y'all have Super Bowl aspirations. You built the championship defense, but your offense was as pedestrian as a, which is just as pedestrian as you know what. Dallas won't be getting nowhere with Dak Prescott as the quarterback. 
period, point blank. Hate me if you want to. Well, you know the drill. If you're hearing this, that means that that we've reached the end of this week's edition of Joy Sports Stories. Again, I would like to thank all of you for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to share the podcast, follow the podcast, and let's continue to grow the audience. Follow us on Twitter at Jory Stories, J-O-R-I-S-S-T-O-R-I-E-S, and on Instagram at JD's underscore sports stories, J-D-S underscore sports stories, for updates and more. Tuning. Tune in again next week for a brand new episode of Joy Sports Stories. Until then, thank you all for tuning in today, and I'll see y'all next week.